At the turn of the century, a cult classic film debuted, featuring uh, two roommates who are not very smart. They party one night, drinking drugs only to wake up the next morning, confused, hungover, unsure about the events that took place the night before, and their car is missing. They step outside the next morning after a night of partying and ask the iconic question, dude, where's my car? Hence, the brilliant title for a very dumb movie, Dude, Where's My Car? Now, if you have not seen this abomination to the artistic medium that is film, you're not missing a whole lot. I think it got like two stars on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Um, but the movie, uh, Dude, Where's My Car? It did hit box offices uh, right at the time where I thought such silly, nonsensical, slapstick, crude humor was just hilarious. It came out when I was in middle school, so it's sad to admit that this movie was deeply formative for my early teenage years. <laughs> Cut me some slack. I didn't know Jesus back then. Even if I had, I probably still would have watched it and found it just to be hilarious. But, but, um, that was my lizard brain back in middle school, you know. Uh, today, I want to talk about something much more serious uh, than that silly movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, don't worry about it. We're just taking the rip off of that 2000, uh, 2000, yes, yeah, the year 2000, 2000 movie, Dude, Where's My Car, uh, for our message series called Dude, Where's My Faith? Today we start a new message series. And so uh, like the plot of this whole movie where two guys uh, just kind of wake up in a fog, they lose their car, the next day they have to go and retrace all of their steps to go and find it. We, we all know the experience of having lost something, having to go and retrace our steps and think, where, where did I just leave it last? We all know that experience of having lost something, but perhaps, perhaps our, our faith has been like this before. You, you wake up one morning and you ask, dude, where, where's my faith? Where, where did I park my God? And maybe over the last two and a half years, you've asked that question. I mean, it's an easy question to have asked over the last two years with a global pandemic and societal, economical unrest, political strife, natural disasters, human evil and suffering on display, being disconnected from community, church doors closed down, trying to keep faith alive online, worshiping in a congregation of one or two in your living room. Yeah, and that's just, that's just what's common to all of us. Let, let alone what's been going on in your own personal lives with uh, the uh, family losses and job change and health concerns and the whiplash of a crazy busy schedule to absolutely nothing. The mix of stress and sloth and worry and weariness. The list could go on and on and on. It has been a season full of circumstances that have made it easy for us to have misplaced our faith. And maybe not. I mean, maybe, maybe not for you at all that this last season, it's been a season where your faith has grown and deepened. But for those of you who are like me, perhaps you've woken up from this COVID hangover and asked, dude, 
where's my faith? But all of us, all of us have probably had a season in our lives where we have, we've misplaced our faith, not, not lost it, just misplaced it. As my, as my wife likes to say, when she loses her purse, I didn't, I didn't lose it. I just misplaced it. Meaning that you haven't completely abandoned God. You haven't completely abandoned your faith. It's just not where you thought that you had left it. Where, where did I park my God again? Where, where did I leave God? Or maybe, maybe you know the way to retrace your steps. Maybe, maybe you know the way to, to look for God. Church, Bible study, small groups, morning devotions, what, whatever it is. But, but you come to those and it doesn't seem like you can find God as easily there as you once were able to. And you've done all the right things and you're doing all of the right things, but you still find yourself asking, dude, where's, where's my faith? Well, the good news, or at least the somewhat comforting news, I guess, is that you're not alone. No one is immune from this. And, and if you haven't been through a season like this in your faith journey yet, well, I gotta warn you, it's likely that you will go through a season like this. But, but you're not alone. I mean, we look all throughout the Bible, we see Abraham, kind of the father, the grandfather of faith. He asked similar questions like this. Moses asked questions like this. God, where are you? What are we doing? David, who wrote half of his Psalms, his prayers were all about asking this question. Where's my faith? God, where are you? It's the question that a father confesses as he brings his sick and dying son before Jesus to heal him. And he cries out, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, I believe, I believe, but, but where's my faith? Where, where, where's my God? And so actually there's an entire book in the Bible that is written about this exact question. It's in the New Testament. It's the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews was written to, well, Hebrews, meaning that it was written to Jewish people who had now converted to Christianity. They're, they're still Jewish, but they're following Jesus as their Messiah. But the thing that you have to understand is that at this time, Christianity was still in its infancy stages, first century, and Christians were being persecuted all throughout the Roman Empire because the Roman government had blamed the Christians for the destruction of Rome. And so now these Christians are finding themselves ostracized, marginalized. They become martyrs even. Their own families won't talk to them anymore. And so many of these now Jewish converts to Christianity are losing their faith in Jesus, returning back to their Jewish roots because, well, it's just so much easier, right? And so the book of Hebrews is really just like one long sermon given to a church that is losing their faith, questioning their faith. And so this is what the author or the preacher of Hebrews writes. This is Hebrews chapter two. Pay attention to this. It says, this is why it's necessary. This is why it's necessary for us to pay more attention to what we have heard, all the teachings about Jesus, all of that stuff, what we have heard, or else we may, what? 
drift away. Drift away from it. If the message that was spoken by angels was reliable and every offense and act of disobedience received an appropriate consequence, how will we escape if we ignore such a great salvation that God has given to us? It was first announced through the Lord and then it was confirmed by those who heard him talking about the disciples. God also vouched for their message with signs, amazing things, various miracles and gifts from the Holy Spirit which were handed out the way that he wanted. Listen, listen to that first part again. Author Hebrews, the, the preacher says, pay attention, pay, pay more attention or else what? Or else you may just drift away. So just yesterday, we were having uh, this conversation with our two sons as they got ready to go to the beach. The same conversation that I remember my parents having with me when I was a kid growing up in Florida. You know, the conversation goes, you, you've got to pay attention or else you'll drift. The, the current can take you out to sea without you even noticing it. If you grew up going to the beach, you remember these types of warnings from your parents. I remember before I would be allowed to get in the water, my parents talking to me and saying, Jason, now, now remember, pay, pay attention, pay attention to where you are and pay attention to where we are on the shore. They would, they would make me study where we were on the beach, study the, the color of our obnoxious beach umbrella before I dove into the water for body surfing. And sure enough, if I wasn't paying attention, I would find myself hundreds of yards away from where my family had set up fortress there on the beach. And you know this, it's so easy to drift. All you have to do is nothing. It's so easy to drift. All you have to do is just do nothing. Drifting is this deceptive feeling of, of not moving, but in reality, just being floated away. And a lot of times that's, that's exactly what happens to us in our faith. That it's not just this one moment, this one critical existential crisis or philosophical or theological problem, but it's just this gradual, slowly over time, we find that we are being pulled away from God, where we once were with God. And we ask ourselves, how, how did I get here? And we don't even notice it until we finally look up and we say, wait, where's my faith? So while we were having this conversation with, uh, with our sons yesterday, trying to explain how the ocean and the currents work and all of that, uh, how he can drift away without paying attention, our oldest son asked, but I don't feel like I'm moving at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you may feel like you're not going anywhere, but all the while you're just drifting away. And it's easy for us too, right? It's easy for us to, to keep coming to church, go to small groups, go, go to Bible study, keep worshiping, keep praying, and be drifting at the same time. I mean, don't, don't forget that the author of Hebrews was writing to followers of Jesus, just like you and me. 
He knew that we can neglect one thing simply because we're paying attention to something else. That we think that we can be moving forward, but all the while we're just drifting away. It's so easy to drift. And it's easier than we think to quit believing in the midst of all of our believing. I remember one time I was having a conversation with one of my spiritual directors, who's kind of like a a spiritual guide, kind of like a spiritual mentor, someone who keeps me accountable to uh, practicing my Christian faith. And and I told him that I felt like, gosh, I'd just been kind of drifting away from God. And he asked me to describe what that feeling kind of looked like. I said, it feels like, feels like I'm floating out on a raft in, in the middle of a vast ocean, deep, And it's dark out and I've drifted so far that I can't see shoreline on, on any horizon. I don't know where I came from. I I don't know where to go to next. I'm just out here in the middle of nowhere. And and I told him, I told him what was on my heart. I said, "I, I feel like God doesn't even notice that I'm out here. And and I, and I feel like God, God doesn't even care that I'm out here. That's a terrible feeling to have. And my spiritual director asked me, well, how, how did you get out there? I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm a pastor, right? My job is to do the professional faith things. Like I study the Bible all the time. I pray for people all the time. I preach, I lead worship services all the time. I'm doing all of the faith things, but yet I don't know where my faith is. How did I get here? And I realized that that slowly over time, I became a practical atheist. I mean, I still believed in God, still confessed my faith in Jesus. I I wasn't atheist agnostic, but, but practically speaking in how I lived out my daily life, practiced as if God just didn't even exist. It's so easy to drift. All you have to do is just nothing. And so maybe you've drifted. Maybe, maybe we've drifted because we've been disappointed or disillusioned too many times. Maybe because we've been betrayed and our, and our hearts remain broken. Maybe you've drifted because you've had setback after setback after setback and you lack the strength to actually get up again. Maybe because we've been skipped over too many times and we feel left out and let behind or, or we've been punched in the gut so hard that we just can't seem to take that next breath or we've failed. We fear that it's final or maybe we've drifted because we've simply just run out of energy, vision, passion, motivation. We've become weary. Maybe we've drifted because forgot why we started in the first place. You forgot why you started following Jesus in the first place. Maybe you've drifted because you've become distracted or succumbed to all the other attractions. But if you feel like you've drifted, here's what I want you to know. 
If you feel like you've been just pulled away by the unseen currents of life's craziness and you find yourself looking up and asking, where, where's my faith? Where, where is God? How did I get here? Here's what I want you to know. Even if you don't know it in the depths of your bones, I want you to know that God does notice you. God does care that you are out there. And just, just like that story that Jesus told about the prodigal son and his father, God is chasing, running down the shoreline, shouting out your name, looking for you. God does care. God does notice. And God is calling you back to safety. And so here's how the author of Hebrews continues on with this. He says this in Hebrews 6. He says, when God gave Abraham his promise, he, God, swore by himself because he couldn't swear by anyone greater. I love that. He said, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants. So God has promised Abraham a bunch of kids and that one day his family would grow into this great nation. They would be blessed and then they would be a blessing to the entire world. This was God's promise, but, but it didn't happen immediately. Abraham and Sarah didn't have kids for a long time. It goes on. It says, so Abraham obtained the promise by showing patience. When God wanted to further demonstrate to the heirs of the promise that his purpose doesn't change, he guaranteed it with a solemn pledge. So this is uh, when God makes a covenant, a promise with Abraham. God essentially says, Abraham, look, if I don't keep my end of the promise to you and your descendants, I, I will be cut in two. God literally risked God's own life to keep the promise to Abraham. And God did keep the promise. So all of your Hebrews says, this, this is the kind of God that, that we have. Don't turn your back. Don't drift away from this kind of God. It goes on, verse 18 says, so these are two things that don't change because it's impossible for God to lie. He did this so that we who have taken refuge in him can be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. This hope, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being. Here's what the author is saying here with so much that is changing in the world with so much that is changing in your life with so much uncertainty with a cultural shift that has a current that is so strong. It can quickly take you out into deep waters. You can hold on to hope because God has given us an anchor for our souls. And that anchor he says is Jesus Jesus is there to anchor us to our faith, to anchor us to God. But, but an anchor kept inside the boat doesn't do a whole lot of good, right? It's only when we drop it out of the boat that this hope as an anchor can actually go to work. And we won't know that it's actually working when the waves are smooth and the wind is calm. But when the wind kicks up and the waves start to build, we will know that Jesus is doing exactly what he has promised to us. Heber says that, that if we keep our hope in Jesus, we can stay steady. 
immovable, firmly established, even in the strongest of currents and the worst of storms. Jesus is the anchor to make sure that we don't drift away from God. That's why Jesus came to us to bring us back to God. But for those of you who have ever been boating before, you know the difference between dropping an anchor and setting an anchor. If you've been on a boat and you just drop an anchor overboard, uh, it's probably not going to do you a whole lot of good. That's called dropping an anchor. That, that's fine. But you might find that the anchor just scrapes along the ocean floor as your boat continues to drift further and further out to sea. You have to actually set the anchor which means that you drop it, yes, but then as your boat is moving away, you let some slack out until it gets tight, and then you give it a nice little tug so that the anchor digs into the ocean floor, and now it's set there. And, of course, you have to make sure that the end of the rope that is tied to the anchor is also tied to your boat, <laughs> or else that doesn't do you any good. And so here's what I want to do. I, I want to I just leave us with some questions. Some questions so that we can, we can check our anchor. We, we can make sure that it is actually set and it's not just dragging across the ocean floor as we drift away. Because maybe, maybe the reason why we feel like we're drifting is because, well, our anchor isn't actually set. And so here's some questions for you to just kind of check your own anchor, to, to make sure that, that you are actually rooted there. And this is a list of questions that just kind of has come from my own seasons of, of drifting and, and uncertainty and all of that. And, and feel free to add to this list, make them your own, whatever it is. Take a picture of these, write them down. I'll post them up on social media later on this week. You can take a look at them there. But I found these questions, uh, the ones like these, to, to be a way to, to check and make sure that, that I still am anchored. I, I still am safe and secure. Because as the author of Hebrews says, remember, he says, pay more attention. Check your anchor or else you'll drift away. And so here's, here's how to pay attention. Here's how to check your anchor in, in, I think, three areas of your life. Your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship with your own heart. Because if any one of those goes awry, well, then usually the other two are quick to follow as well. And so in my relationship with God, I ask questions like these. I ask, have I stopped pursuing God and started deprioritizing my time with God? Have I stopped consuming God's word and started living off the leftovers? But by that, I mean, have, have I stopped studying scripture for myself? And am I content with just listening to preachers like me and others who are just regurgitating what they have been feasting on all week. You're just getting leftovers if this is all that you get. Have I stopped responding to the spirit immediately and started delaying? Have I stopped caring and started growing callous about convictions? Last one is, have I stopped praying and started worrying? questions I ask about my relationship with others. 
I ask, have I stopped sharing and started withholding? Have I stopped committing and started shrinking back? Have I stopped laughing and started growing more critical? That's a good check for me. Have I stopped responding with grace and started responding with impatience or whatever it is that you respond with? Questions to check the anchor on my own heart. I ask, have I stopped having passion? Start having resentment. Have I stopped dreaming and hoping? I just started settling. Have I stopped hoping and started sinking into despair? And here's, here's, I think, just, just a good initial one. Have I stopped feeling and started growing numb? I'll post these on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Maybe you took a picture of them. Ask me about them later. Make up your own list, whatever. Over, over the next few weeks, I, I want us to talk about what, what causes us to drift away from God. What, what is that current that pulls us away from God? But, but today, today I, I just want you to ask yourself, where am I? What, what's, what's the difference in the distance between God and, and me right now? Have I drifted away? I mean, look, look at, Imagine, imagine yourself on, on that shore, right? There's God's obnoxious umbrella there, right? How far away are you from it? Are, are you right there? Are you close by? Or are you so far out? You, you can't even hardly see it anymore. Where, where am I? And have I drifted? Because you, you don't know that you've drifted until you actually look up and pay attention. Hebrew says, if we don't pay close attention, we, we will drift. So friends, look up and check. Have you drifted? Check your anchor. See where you're at. But I also want you to hear, dear friends, that, that whatever the distance, no, no matter how far you may have drifted, I want you to hear that God notices I want you to know that God does care. And I want you to know that God is pursuing you, chasing after you, shouting your name from the seashore, calling you back home.